Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Los Angeles Saga Podcast. I am your host, JR4. Well, you know me as Jerry right now, so JR4 will pick up little by little very soon. Here I am with my my gents, my lads, Max Garcia and Alex Ruiz. Fellas, how are we doing? Excited. I'm back. Talking about football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you, Alex? How are you doing, dog? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just like Max, ready to talk about football right now. Now, lots yeah. of great weekend coming up, so lots to talk about. Yeah, lots to talk about, but we're going to keep it as minimal as possible because we got lots to talk about. So, um, yeah, but I mean, it's been, we missed last week uh, recording because there's just so much footy going on. We couldn't necessarily keep up. Um, but we're here to cover as much as possible with a review podcast today on the Euro 2020 as we look forward to this Sunday's final. Um, but before we do that, this past weekend was a. I hope you guys had a wonderful 4th of July. You guys want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Max, what you do over there in uh, Northern California for 4th of July? Oh, man. We were supposed to go to... You guys know Arroyo Seco? It's like a place where you uh, you just chill. And, uh, it's like a lagoon almost. Yeah, yeah. I know was what you're closed. About. We went to the beach, and that was full. Man, disastrous. Golly. Not fun. Yeah. But I bet you guys had a much better... I this one, but I'll save mine for last. Alex, what you do, bro? Any any fireworks uh, popping or anything? Yeah, I went to the Galaxy game against SKC. Um, I really wanted to look at Pulido and Chicharito go at it, but both were injured for the game, so that kind of sucked. Um, obviously, you know, they have their fireworks show. It was pretty cool and stuff. And then uh, the day after 4th of July, you know, just go to the beach and just chill and hang out. So that was about it. Pretty good weekend. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah, actually... Um I wanted to go kick it, uh, or I used to go kick it at the, uh, what is it, like the practice fields of the of, of over there at Denny Hill Sports Park. Not necessarily the ones on the sides, but the ones way behind it. They uh, they have like a little event right there where if you're not going to the game, you can still watch the fireworks show. And they used to give out these um, these like milks, milk little cartons from like this mm-hmm. company where the milk they make is like the end of a cereal bowl so like you know when you're eating cereal <laughs> and it's like you know like you have that leftover milk and it has like all the flavor of the cereal yeah yeah so that was yeah. the milk in the carton bro i was like man, okay, kinda, i gotta try that man i wonder how yeah, that it's tastes pretty smart bro i'm like all right, all right. i'm out here drinking cocoa, cocoa crispies of uh, milk and stuff bro <laughs> I was like, all right, it's pretty good man um but yeah we used to watch a fireworks show when i was a kid growing up you know how they had the old tradition with galaxy uh you know fireworks show after the game and whatnot but uh, no, actually, not Fourth of July, but the day before, I went to go to the uh, Mexico versus Nigeria game, and that was a blast. You know, Mexico uh, gave a whole thrashing four zero, but it was, it was very frustrating before the game. I got there at nine a.m. Man, and you know me, I'm a big tailgater, but uh, supposedly they were not allowing tailgate, no tailgating allowed. Yeah, man, and there's like sixty thousand people there, so I was like, "How are you gonna tell sixty thousand people there's no tailgating?" I know, man. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, but um, so I had like you know I went with a bunch of family, and it's like tradition for us to all go to a Mexico game every summer, at least one. And <laughs> and um, we had to like relocate, find a park close by, and tailgate. And they didn't know any. I mean, I'm a, I'm over there like in Expo Park every week because of LAFC. So I was like, I had to like lead the way for like 200 people in my family that went to the game and whatnot. So I had to go around. I did a, too much walking. But I did a lot. Yeah. But I, it was a good game, man. And then Fourth of July, I went to uh, 
city of Fontana to kick it with some family. They had a uh, a block party over their house. So it was cool, man. Kicking with various people and just kicking with the family. Uh, no fireworks in my face or anything like that, but fireworks were... Mm-hmm. Man, the fireworks... That was probably the most fireworks I've ever seen in a long time. Those yeah, fireworks were pretty insane, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. Well, I hope you guys uh, ate some good food too, bro. I, I didn't eat anything exotic. Did you guys eat anything like crazy? I mean, there's a normal, you know, 4th of July meal was like burgers and hot dogs, but was there anything... I don't know. It's funny because we were at the beach and... Uh, we called one of our guys to bring pizzas, bro. Seven Little Caesars pizzas. And this man decides to put it right next to the dog. He just slammed half of them oh, over, bro. Man. No way. What is that, man? Oh, wow. Dang. Yeah. That's, that's the one, like, the seven, seven bucks each, so. <laughs> Ooh, bro, that's, I don't even want to do the math on that. about 30 bucks right there. Heck no. What about you, Alex? Uh, nah, to be honest. You know, I was busy for most of the weekend. Uh, You know, surprisingly, I think... I think I had like uh, uh, takeout for like the whole weekend. I didn't. We didn't make anything. We didn't have time to make anything. Yeah. You know, like like you said, usually it's like burgers or like hot dogs and stuff like that. But this year, not at all. That's cool. I, I, you guys just made me realize that. I'm like, wow. Fourth of July food wise was pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to get one of those uh, from time to time. Um, you know, especially being on the road a lot. You know, I tend to get more uh, fast food than I, you know, tend to. But, uh, hey, man, I got to get something in the system. Uh, well, fellas, let's go ahead and get into it right away. The Euros 2020, man. What a very interesting tournament from the beginning all the way to what we have in this climax this Sunday afternoon. Uh, but real quick before we give out these awards, we're going to give out ver- various awards for those who are listening. Um, we're going to give out team of the tournament, player of the tournament, bust of the tournament and finally with the last one moment of the tournament now the moment could be good moment could be bad uh team of the tournament doesn't necessarily have to be a team that did really good just a team that you overall enjoyed watching during this tournament so um yeah uh we're gonna go ahead and get started but before we actually do i want to ask you guys uh i want i want to think yeah one through four we'll, we'll stick with the one through four uh rating uh rate from one through four how was this euros i guess compared to the last one what do you think max man uh well that was four years ago i hardly remember anything that happened that year but <laughs> that i was mean five years actually think five about yeah five yeah COVID, man but yeah this year i mean four probably is an understatement because i've been thrilled watching these games man like i haven't it's Rarely the times where I watched Euro game this summer where I'm like, ugh. So man, I'm excited, excited how everything has turned out, excited for the final. So I'd give it a four, yes. Cool man. And did you catch any six AM games? and were those six AM games worth it? <laughs> Not many, but I don't think I missed out on much. Or I think I've seen most of the important stuff that yeah, we're all yeah, gonna yeah. talk about later on. Yeah, I don't know about North Macedonia versus, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I'm not Czech exactly going to wake I'm up. Like, for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like uh, I'll check ESPN at around 10 o'clock for that one. Yeah. What about you, Alex? What do you th- What's your rating for this? Uh, Dude, tournament? definitely a four, man. Like, the group stage, obviously, you know, isn't going to be too entertaining because you do have some teams that, you know, are just going to defend the whole time. And that's not too much fun to watch. But the knockout stage is everything you could have asked for. Upsets. 
you know, come from behind victories and stuff like that. You know, just drama all around, man. Uh, if I could, dude, it deserves a five, to be honest. It's a lot better than the last heroes. I have that in my memory pretty well. And to be honest, you know, a lot of people will say, like, Euro 16 was better than the one now. But, like, if you really take a deep dive in perspective at it, like, dude, this is, like, the perfect Euros. Like, this this was worth a one-year delay for sure. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic way to put it. You know, we waited five years for the next one. And I, I think I might have to go with the four, too. You know, it was... And then also you could put in comparison with the you know this summer is supposed to be a heavy soccer summer you know with all these tournaments going on, and the other one that's going on is Copa America but of course you know I don't know we all, I I believe we can all agree that that one's been iffy ever since the start of it um but compared to that one yeah this one's definitely a four uh for me as well uh you know like you said there's a lot of upsets there's a lot of teams that you know we got to see that we never honestly never heard of or, or teams that we're not not aware of like North Macedonia and. Uh, you know, Czech, Czech Republic stepped it up. Denmark was, you know, better than we all expected. And I can say that probably on behalf of the whole world. Um, but, yeah, it's been such an exciting uh, um, uh, match. And, I mean, a uh, tournament. And just, you know, there's insane stats that I have right here in terms of the tournaments compared to uh, all the others. Uh, there's about three, uh, 250. So... Two, okay, so 252 games in this Euro 2020 qualification, which was for three years. So the year before the pandemic, 2019, 2020, 2021, uh, which included both Nations League um, finals. And there was about 80 goals, believe it or not. But most of those goals happened, the, the most goals happened between 45th and the 60th minute with 32. Yeah. But the majority of the goals came, you know, or the second major most games came in or goals came in with the 75th to the 90th uh, minute of the game so there was a lot of like close in action a lot of you know all right everyone at the edge of their seats in this tournament so i, th I think that's what made it a lot um a lot about uh you know uh, number four late also, drama late love drama that. was it was love all there man. i always love that yeah it was all there every everything that we kind of asked for uh maybe not england going to the final but yeah. oh man yeah but uh all right let's just go ahead and get started with that let's keep it on this positive vibe a little bit man this was a great tournament there was very mo there was many moments that happened but uh max what was what you would say your favorite moment of the tournament the the moment i enjoyed the most um okay th there's a difference moment of the tournament as in i enjoyed the most was probably Hmm, man, that's a tough one. Yeah, it is tough. There's, there's a lot of I, things that have been certain. I think, well, surprisingly, I guess the one I enjoyed the most was uh, Switzerland knocking out France on penalties in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just seeing Mbappe, like, miss... That was a horrible taken penalty, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and then seeing Jan Sommer just scream out of his lungs and run at the crowd, man, that was that was amazing to watch and give me a bit of chills watching that. Yeah, and, that 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 penalty shootout was crazy, dude. And you know what? I think I think Summer could, you know, even though they got knocked out a little bit sooner than they wanted to, but Summer could probably have pleaded his case right there for uh, the Golden Gloves. Do you guys think that? Yeah, good shot. Yeah, I guess so. 
I, I would say it would be between him and Schmeichel. And Schmeichel had a fantastic year as well. I'd um, probably say Pickford too because he's only conceded yeah. like one goal like the whole tournament. Well, yeah, but I think a lot of that goes credit towards the back line. You know, the two halves in Manchester, you got uh, City and United holding it down right there for England. So Yeah, he hasn't been tested much compared yeah, exactly. to Switzerland and uh, Denmark. But if he wins his Euro and then May has a good performance, he definitely gets, has a shout at it. Is yeah. there even a Golden Glove Award for the Euros? I don't remember if that was. I, I honestly don't remember, but I'm just saying. I mean, there was a goalie of the tournament. I think those three keepers, uh, Summer, Schmeichel, and Pickford, would be in contention. Um, He'll get our Golden Glove. Yeah, there we go. The, the LA Saga Golden Glove <laughs> of Euros 2020 in 2021 goes to. <laughs> um, all right, Alex, what's your favorite moment of the tournament, man? Man, uh, there's a lot, but I think the one that, like, um, I guess I was pretty excited for was a last second winner by Ukraine defeating uh, Sweden in the last couple of minutes in Scotland. Um, I wasn't even watching like the first half of the game because I was like, I thought it would be like scrappy, you know, someone's going to get a 1 0 victory. And then I see it goes, you know, it's still tied and I'm watching to do that extra time. And I forgot who the guy from the Ukraine was that scored it. But uh, man, that was crazy. You know, Ukraine definitely. You know, weren't in weren't the favorites to win that game for sure, and and just seeing them score like with just a minute left in additional time, man, that's crazy, and and being like a small country like that with really not too many superstars on that team, and then Sweden, you know, we're looking really good in the group stage. You know, Forsberg and Isak were both uh, looking like they were probably that Sweden was probably going to be maybe the surprise team of the tournament, but it, I guess Ukraine, you know, had different plans and. It was great to see that Andrei Shevchenko, you know, having his first big time win with the Ukraine national team. Yep, Kevin De Bruyne Jr. right there. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did come out uh, for uh, Ukraine in his side that match. Uh, I honestly thought that game was like such a snooze fest. I watched like the majority of it, and I was like, Oh yeah, it w- it definitely was. But like, the but the ending was yeah, like, was wow, like, like wow, no way, yeah. dude. Right, man. It was pretty cool, you know. I was, I was actually kind of hoping they go to penalties. I was like, man, they could have just yeah, I thought penalties it was after. penalties too. Yeah, but uh, Sinchenko did his thing, man, with a beautiful cross too. I think it was Forsberg who scored. I can't remember exactly. That's a Swedish but. guy. Ah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Forsberg yeah. is a Swedish guy. Forsberg is a Swedish guy. He, he did guy. score for Sweden. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, that's what I got confused with. Oh, I can't remember the guy who scored for who scored the game winner. Dude, they literally have the same uniform, Sweden and Ukraine. They that's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's so I know, exactly. just invert the co- same color, it's like, just invert them. It's like Germany and Belgium, like, bro. Like, just flip the flag. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. Well, yeah, those two, those two moments were pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, they make up for, you know, like you said, Alex, made the wait well worth it uh, for an extra year delayed. Um Ah oh, man, I'm stuck between two, uh, but I think one of them that's for sure, for sure, would be the uh, Italy Spain penalties that happened uh, in the semis. That was that whole match was just back and forth. You know what we what we wanted a long time, and I haven't really seen a back and forth game like that between two rivals. Because I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, Italy and Spain is the most played Euro Cup match. Those two always face each other in the Euros. Um, but the last match I remember that was like this intense and like you know, with that kind of atmosphere I think, um, was the 2013 Confederations Cup final between Spain and Brazil and that game was pretty intense as well for I remember, um, but there was a lot of back and forth in this Italy Spain match, 
Um, you know, I feel like Italy was dominating the whole game up until the 60th minute. And then for whatever reason, somehow, some way, Morata was able to sneak it past the, the keeper and just, you know, uplift the momentum for Spain. And, you know, heading into extra time. So you could tell everyone was gassed, dude. But there was like a second win in everybody as much as possible. And then the penalties, dude, the penalties was insane, dude. Um, and then for my, my honorable mention, I think we'll be, you know, beginning group stage. Unfortunately, we had that incident with uh, Christian Eriksen, but the whole, uh, just the wholesome moment of um, the fans from both sides of Denmark and, and Scotland uh, just, uh, you know, chanting Christian Eriksen in support of him. Just the whole world, basically, you know, showing global support for Eriksen and his uh, incident with the cardiac arrest, you know. It was a very difficult thing to process for anybody who was at the game or, or just watching it at home. Um, but I think that kind of just, like, that was, a, that was a moment where it's like you restore your, your, your faith in humanity a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know about that. Italy, Spain, the um, penalties was awesome. I was actually back at the 110 studio uh, watching the game with the rest of the 110 crew. Uh, we were watching it during our lunch. And Vince, Vince LaRosa, uh, host of the show, he is uh, a big Italy guy. And I was messing with him. He, went, he couldn't watch the game because he was like too nervous. So he stepped out of the studio and decided to eat his lunch outside. And I would mess with him and I was like, Hey, uh, you want to come see uh, Italy stop this penalty? <laughs> he would freak out. There was no penalty going on. He was like, you're lying. And he came in like rushing. He was like, oh, I can't watch. But there was no penalty. It was like halftime of the first extra time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was really cool, you know, watching everybody at the studio and just, it was intense, man. It was an intense penalty shootout. And, uh, you know, I hope, uh, I think the story storybook ending would be uh, a penalty shootout in the final, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Do you guys think it might and end? Italy winning it, for the love of God, I, please. I'm hoping Italy wins. I know. I can't just have... imagine the scenes though that if England wins, like no. there's a there's gonna be a national emergency, dude. <laughs> Everyone's partying. <laughs> everything's gonna get destroyed, dude. dude. Even in uh, England, I was reading something, man. Like, dude, I'm hoping England lose, but at the same time, I'm not because I was reading something, an article. I forgot for what website. But they said domestic abuse goes up by 23% when England lose. So, the magnitude <laughs> like that, bro. Like, I, that was, I know it took wow. a dark turn, bro. But I'm just like, I don't want anybody getting beat up, dude. Damn, <laughs> Something's going to go down whether England win or lose. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think that's inevitable, man. Uh, I feel bad for the uh, the Knights holding it down right there at the at the, the castle. But, uh, Did you guys see that? They woke up uh, the queen with the song of "It's Coming Home." Outside the outside, outside, outside of uh, outside. the palace. Wow! Oh my god! No way! That was hilarious, man. You had to send that through, man. <laughs> but uh, dude, I was actually I was I haven't had to send it to you guys. I was watching this reel on Instagram of Italy fans celebrating, dude, and people were so hyped that they won the semifinal and headed to the final. I kid you not, they were so excited. People started getting in cars and running each other over. Man. And, like, blowing fireworks, like, under cars and stuff. Like, I'm like, dude, these two are the worst teams to, like, be in a <laughs> final right now. And then over here, we're here in, you know, North America. We got uh, Mexican fans doing homophobic chants, and that's it. Bro, <laughs> like, if you think we're bad, and we're the ones that are going to get a, a World Cup bid uh, taken from us. I was like, yeah, but that's pretty crazy, man. But yeah, dude, this tournament has been awesome to watch, and I've been having a lot of fun watching it. Uh, um, and yeah, dude, so uh, let's move on to the next award. 
and I think this one is might start a little bit of controversy between us all, but next award is the bust of the tournament. So now the, the bust of the tournament meaning a team or a player that you expected to have a good performance but ended up not having one. An under part of performance you could say. Um, but we'll start with you, Alex. What do you think is your bust of the tournament? Um, well, I'll, I'll give one team and one player. I think the team I'd say was Portugal. You know, uh, earlier we talked uh, in the earlier podcast, I talked about how I love that they have so much talent on their team. And, you know, and unfortunately, on the last like day of the group uh, stage, they like barely qualified, barely qualified. And, you know, it, it, they weren't looking that convincing. And then, you know, they had to face Belgium in the round of 16 and Belgium, you know, our powerhouse of a team. And Portugal weren't able to really do much that game. They did have a ton of shots uh, on goal that game, but it just the ball just didn't want to go in the back of the net. I thought they could have at least gone to maybe the semifinals. So I thought that was kind of a disappointment, especially when you're the reigning champs with a good player still playing at a high level. And then player, I think the most obvious one is killing Mbappe. You know, all his time at PSG, he's been racking up goals. And then, you know, he won a World Cup with France, was really instrumental to them getting far into that tournament and ultimately winning that tournament. And then now here in his first ever Euros, you know, you'd kind of expect something, you know, him to put up goals, him to look well, but you just didn't see that. His finishing wasn't good at all. Um, he missed uh, a really good chance against Switzerland, it, but he just couldn't finish it with his left. You know, I know he's right-footed, but still, you got to be able to, able to at least put the ball on target. And then obviously, you know, the penalty miss that he had uh, just was horrible. So it, it's just been a horrible tournament for Mbappe. Yeah, I think also, you know, speaking on behalf of Mbappe, that missed penalty, he also, uh, with that save from summer, I think that's, you know, secured the upset of the tournament with Switzerland beating France in the quarterfinals or was it round of 16 quarterfinals one of those two rounds but um quarterfinals right uh but yeah man it was uh yeah you're spot on with all that I think Portugal as well you know they were the reigning champs you expect them to at least make some a little bit of noise you know and they barely squeaked by with the Hungary who Hungary surprised me the most in this tournament you know even though they only were able to get two points out of the group of death in group F um they they held it down, you know, two t two draws and a loss, a loss that happened in the final ten minutes of their match against Portugal. Portugal barely beat them, you know. Hungary was dominating that match, so they were they're definitely a, you know, a very enjoyable and you know just a shocker of a, of a team, you know, one that we didn't expect. Um, but Portugal, you know, you have a as fantastic as their squad looks on paper, you know, you expect them to possibly in the final this Sunday, you know. Uh, in the beginning of the tournament, uh, but also with Fernando Santos as manager for that side, I don't think he utilized Portugal and used the you know played his cards right with this team. You know he had a Jao Felix and Bruno Fernandes on the bench for the majority of the time, and started players like Renato Sanchez. And I, no, don't get me wrong, Renato oh, Sanchez is a great player. Bruno Fernandes literally disappeared the whole tournament. He did nothing. He did. At all. He did nothing. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he was no. He was still in Manchester United, I think. But um. <laughs> so they're kicking it, kicking at the pubs, watching England and stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was nowhere to be found. But at the same time, I just don't think, you know, that regular four-two-three, just very complacent formation that Fernando Santos set up for Portugal. There was no creativity. It was just like, all right, I'm gonna put the, you know, the stat, the score sheet on the paper and you know, team sheet, and you guys do your thing. It's like, all right, well, there's no tactics involved, and you know, I can't make Ronaldo can't have, do so much. You can't have only goal scorers on the team you gotta have something 
to feed those goal scores. Yeah, playmakers. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Max? What is your bust of the tournament, man? Man, this was more me with high hopes, so they disappointed me more, uh, probably more than you guys. But I'm gonna say Germany. Um, I had really high hopes. Uh, after watching the group stage, uh, Portugal, good win. They fell against France. They held their ground. I thought uh, they played very well and then just struggled against Hungary. So little by little, as I watched the tournament and saw Germany play more and more, my expectations and my hopes uh, declined as I watched through. And then they faced England. And it was a pretty good game, I'd say, for both sides. Um, although I do think because of that goal, uh, that Sterling scored. Uh, Germany had to go forward, had to uh, attack, find something in the final minutes that just ended up hurting them more at the end. Um, but to be fair, England is in the final, and maybe if Germany had gotten a different matchup, maybe they would have gone farther. But yeah, I just think how their tournament ended and Joaquin Lowe's uh, final game with Germany, I thought it was pretty... Pretty upsetting and pretty underwhelming. Let's be real. Are we going to miss Joe Joaquim Low? I'm going to miss the butt sniffs, bro. I'm going to miss yeah. that. Miss uh, the he, he was yeah. very entertaining to watch. Like yeah, him. Dude. Maybe not his team, but him. Yeah, but him, yeah. dude. I'm like, dude, what is going on here, man? man. Um, man. Well, yeah, the Joaquim Low, I mean, do you think he's done coaching? I mean, it's. I mean, he, I know he had a stint with Bayern, but, I mean, is he willing to go back, you know, going club soccer? Is he uh, going to arson Wenger it, or what's the deal? Um, I don't know. I think that's a discussion for a different podcast. But, yeah, Germany, they were definitely tested. But I think they've downgraded ever since the World Cup uh, in 2018, you know. They had, I mean, there's everything that you can ask for. They have a star-studded team, and it's like, let's just say they're the arsenal of international football. I think that's the best way to put it. Wait, let me ask a quick question here. You know, uh, since we're talking about, like, busts of the tournament, would you guys consider Belgium a bust? You know, they have so much talent on that team, and they weren't even able to make it to the semifinals. They were the favorites to basically win the whole thing, and then they lose to uh, Spain. No, uh, Italy, my bad. They lose to Italy. Uh, do, you, do you guys consider that, like, a, a, a bust kind of thing, or, or no? Um, well... Based on how they were knocked out, they it, it was they had Italy like bunkered down. Like Italy was defending for the last like whatever half the whole half. So based off that, and again, Italy's in the final, so pretty good opponent, respectable opponent. I don't think it's a bust, uh, but they could have gone farther. Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to assess because I mean. I did have them as heavy favorites. I was actually rooting for them throughout the time, but it wasn't the same Belgium squad that, you know, went off during Euro qualification in this tournament. You know, they had the most goals in the qualification process in, in those stages, and about 40 of them, and they were undefeated. And so you kind of expected that to that kind of streak to continue, but instead Italy was like, uh, I don't know. We're going to hit you guys with the 1-0 and uh, move on to the next round. Um, there was a... Uh, one hazard missy missing uh, eden hazard without kevin de Bruyne got hurt i believe against who was it what did they play england at one time i'm not i don't know, i can't remember correctly but he did get hurt at one point and i guess that kind of you know brought them down a little but i think they still have enough 
uh, of a depth and rotation to kind of fill that kind of need. Um, so I kind of do want to say they're a bust, but I still think they're still in that kind of like process of where they're trying to get to where they want. You know, they had, like I said, they had a fantastic qualification stage, but in the tournament, it's a whole different story. That qualification stage doesn't really matter anymore. Um, but also looking into, you know, the previous major tournament uh, results, they went all the way to the semifinals, which I think we all agree there was a big chance they were going to make it to the World Cup final. But uh, I don't know. I, I must say, they won that yeah. third place matchup. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So I wouldn't say necessarily it was a bust. Uh, I mean, it's just football, you know. It's the beauty and misery of football. You try, you have a game plan, and most of the time, honestly, most of the time, that game plan isn't really fulfilled no matter what, you know. And um, so it's just, you know, they got the wrong end of the stick and got knocked out to, uh, sooner than they expected and they wanted. And, you know, I think next year for the World Cup, maybe a different story, you know. Maybe they'll learn from this and uh, carry what they can into uh, Qatar. Cater! Can't forget. Right. Cater, Cater is Cutter. expert. Cutter. Cutter. Is, is it Cutter or Cater, bro? I can't remember, dude. I've heard of, like so many variations of that name. I'm Cutter. Dude, can somebody listen to the podcast? Please let us know. How do you say <laughs> the World Cup host his name, dude? Cater. I've been saying Qatar for the Qatar. Long time, I know. For this, my whole life, I've been saying it Qatar. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I never heard of it until they won the bid. I was like, oh, okay, Qatar. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You never heard of Qatar before they got the World Cup. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, man. All right, fellas. Well, when we come back, everyone stick around. We're going to give our team of the tournament and our player of the tournament awards. And after that, we're going to preview the final. Is it really coming home? We're going to have uh, some score predictions. But I think the big question is, is it coming home? Well, stay tuned to find out. We are back. This is the Los Angeles Saga Podcast. See you guys in a few. Welcome back, everyone, from your bathroom break. Or if you're uh, listening to us in your car or your house or whatever. Or even putting gas. Make sure you uh, close your hubcap because uh, you can start a little incident there. So, uh, anyway, welcome back to Los Angeles Soccer Podcast. Here I am with my two fellas, my two gents, my two lads, Alex Ruiz and Max Garcia. We're going to go ahead and continue this uh, Euro discussion shortly. But first, I mean, as, as, as boring, I guess you could say it was, as not exciting, you know, as much as we anticipated or we were hoping for. Let's talk about a little, bit, a little bit about the Copa America. You know, the big final, the dream final this Saturday, uh, tomorrow, if you guys are listening to, uh, this Friday morning, um, between Argentina and Brazil. And there's, a, there's quite a few things at stake. One, the most viewership in Copa America history, possibly, because this tournament has been horrendous and everyone's going to be like, ah, there's something going on. Let's watch Copa America final. Uh, and two, there's a possibility of Lionel Messi acquiring his first ever international trophy now fellas will messi walk away with the copa america what do you think max i mean just watching them walk through all the way till the semifinals in colombia and i mean they held the ground and did what they had to do against colombia i think they will i think messi will finally touch that prestigious uh international no 
yes, international trophy that we've all been wanting him to lift. And yes, Neymar is going to go home crying. 2-0. Is he going to go home or walking or rolling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably both. Uh, so over under five dives from Neymar in that game. Damn, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to put a, a dollar on the parlay on that one. Uh, I'm gonna go. To be honest, I feel like he's gonna do a lot of a lot of releasing the ball. I'm gonna go under, man. Yeah, yeah. What are you thinking, uh, Alex? Well, Messi acquiring that trophy, dude. I don't want to be that guy. This is like, like the pessimistic dude, but I just don't see it this year, man. I don't know what it is, but like, uh, even when he went to the World Cup, right? They kind of had similar routes this year. A World Cup uh, semifinals 2014, uh, Argentina win in penalties. And then, you know, they're going to be facing the final in Brazil. And Messi has never scored against Brazil when it comes to, like, competitive matches. So, like, excluding friendlies, he's never scored in World Cup qualifiers or in Copa America against Brazil. So that's something on his track record, too. Like, Brazil, just Messi hasn't been a threat to Brazil in all the times he's played them competitively. And, you know, I know Brazil are at home and there's no fans at all, but I feel like, you know, I, I feel like they kind of have an advantage, Brazil, there too. And Brazil are a good team, but, you know, they're they're not as solid as people like to make them see. Like, they're like the tier above the rest of uh, South America. But I just, I just can't see Messi winning, man. It's possible, but just something in my gut tells me, you know, the Fox cameras are going to pan on Messi crying again. Yeah, man, I don't even think it's pessimistic at this time. I think it's just, you know, taking the the chances, man. I don't, I don't think Messi's winning it either, man, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, just like you said, they're a little tier above uh, Bol, but when you compare it to the rest of the world, uh, I don't even think they're better than Portugal, to be honest with you. You know, in Portugal, they didn't make it too far in the Euros. And, I don't know, Brazil is just... Was it again? Titi? That's that's the coach name. I think he got them down over there compared to Argentina. And yeah, Messi. I honestly don't want him to win. To be honest with you guys, I'm just gonna say uh, I don't want him to win, bro. I'm sorry, I'm one of those guys. Guy, huh? <laughs> it's not like I'm a Ronaldo guy, but it's like Ronaldo. Ne- let's let's say let's say he does win. We're never gonna stop hearing the debate between who's better, Messi or Ronaldo. Oh no no no! If he wins this trophy, the debate's over. Oh, okay. well, I would say, yeah, like with the debate, like I would say Ronaldo is like for sure like the greatest goal scorer of all time, but the best overall player has to be Leo Messi. Like he does a lot more than just score. And, you know, we saw that in the Euros, like uh, Ronaldo, like what, like three of his five goals were all penalties. So, I mean, it's not like he was doing most of the stuff himself. He needs uh, for most to be defeated. He depends on others. Yeah, that's that's, that's going to put it, but that's another discussion for another podcast. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, you know, let's just, it's also, you know, it's getting to that point where it's like, it's his time to, you know, finally win. Because, I mean, if he doesn't win, honestly, he could just simply retire from international football. Because the, the squad, yeah. He's 34, man. He's old. World Cup's around the corner, man. Just one more well, yeah, but this is the same squad that he's going to come into the World Cup with. The same squad he's going to try to qualify with. And so, I don't know, man. It's not the same 2014 team where they went to the final. You know, luckily uh, Brazil doesn't have a Mario Gote, but they do have a, you know, a player like Richarlison who could probably sneak a chest in a, 
a, a little I mean, bit. Argentina don't have Iguain now, so I mean they're good. They don't have to worry about finals. That is true. Um, Lucas Paqueta, what a player he's been. Oh, he's been tremendous he's been for sure. Yeah. Immense. Yeah, he's been stepping it up as well. Um, the thing is, if if Messi doesn't win, to be honest, I think it would be kind of funny if England doesn't win either. Because, like, that kind of expense. Like, both of these guys bottled it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 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 one of these has to happen. England loses or Messi wins it. One of these have to happen. If not, I'm not going to freaking come out of my house for the next two months. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I guess I will see you next weekend then. <laughs> um, <laughs> man. Well, yeah, man. I don't know, dude. I guess it's just uh, time will tell uh, this Saturday. So, uh, I just hope for a good game, man. This whole Copa America has been very, very, you know, it has not been fun to watch, you know. Um, and part of that has to be because the bar has been set so high by Euros. And then you come. Yeah, yeah that is true. You make a you good come down to Copa America. I'm like, all right, where's the 120th minute goal? Where yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. No, yeah, I got you. Well, if, we, if that's the case, we could also compare it to the CONCACAF Nations League. I mean, the semifinals were... They were horrendous, you know what I mean? Like, the semifinals <laughs> were terrible. The whole thing, the whole process was bad. Then we hit the final. It was, like, the world's greatest game ever, man. So, mm-hmm. maybe we could, maybe we could uh... Because right now, I think the game of the year, the match of the year, is definitely the Nations League final. And oh, all yeah. of football. For sure. Oh, sure. For sure. You guys saw, like, world pages, like, in France and, uh... Yeah. Like, big pages just... Yeah, the tabloids were, were kissing all of uh, USSF and uh, Mexican Federation's ass. As we point. should. As we should. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is potent- this, this match right here is big potential to take that uh, that crown from USA and Mexico and being the match of the year. And I sure hope so, because if that's the case, we still have another final on Sunday. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So... Yeah, it should be a good one. Well, speaking of Sunday, let's go ahead and transition to our final two awards of the Euro 2020. We're going to call it the Sagas. That's the awards. Like the Emmys with the Sagas. All right, so uh, we're going to go with the uh, team of the tournament. Now, for team of the tournament award, it is, again, it doesn't necessarily be like the best team. It's just, you know, a personal preference. You know, which team do you think... Uh, excited the most. I'm gonna start with this one. I think the team that I like watching a lot, even though they didn't make it far at all, has to be my fellas, the Hungarians. Man, the Hungarians they impressed me okay. a lot. Getting those two points, you know, not necessarily vital, but like, I'll take that as a win if I was a hungry fan. Like, man, dude, we actually basically outlasted these three super giants uh, in this group. You know, they tied against France. Shockingly, that's what makes them kind of like the bust of the tournament. And um, it's out against Germany, which is another, you know, potential bust. Uh, and then they All held, three of them. All three of them. Yeah, Portugal, yeah. France. Yeah, they held down Portugal for about 80 minutes. That's the majority of the game, I think, until, you know, there was that penalty and Portugal sealed it. And then I don't know where he scored a, another goal. And then, you know, it was just the momentum de- deteriorated for Hungary uh, after that. But if that wasn't the case... They could have easily walked away with three points in this group stage, basically tied the whole thing. And I may, I played the case, you know, if they would have tied or beat uh, <laughs> Germany in advance, man, these guys are technically, you know, they're like co-champions of Europe times three removed or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, they were definitely my team of the tournament. Um, if, it wasn't, 
If not them, though, it definitely has to be Denmark. You know, I think that's self-explanatory. Denmark has uh, surprised everybody. It's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people that that are that are on the squad that we don't really know about. Uh, and you know, if you you think Denmark, the first person that should probably come to mind is uh, Christian Eriksen, who was you know absent for the most of the turn, tournament because of his incident. Um, but a lot of these guys stepped up and they had uh, nothing to lose and you know made it as far as the semifinal, making it tough. For the finalists in England, um, but what about you, Alex? What is your uh, team of the tournament, man? Yeah, you uh, already mentioned the Denmark. Uh, just you know the fact that they had to deal on like the second day of the Euros, basically the first full day of like matches. You know, having to go through the whole Ericsson situation, right? And then you know, basically being forced to play the game like an hour and a half later is is crazy to me that they still have made a pretty deep run, to be honest. Like, before the tournament started, my team that, like, I thought, you know, I don't be surprised if they make it to the semifinals or even the final was Denmark, you know. And then having to lose Ericsson, your best player, and still get in there, like, that's extraordinary, man. Like, all of the football world has literally so much respect for that team and that nation for what they went through. And everybody was, let's be honest, everybody was rooting for Denmark uh, against England. You know, unfortunately, you know, no era penal, uh, for England, you know, mm. Sterling does have a thing for diving, but yeah. uh, yeah, they unfortunately Denmark couldn't make it, but they fought very well throughout the whole tournament. Yeah, man, I mean, shout out to Schmeichel, dude, he had a fantastic game, man, in the semifinal. You know, he stopped that penalty, uh, and but unfortunately, Harry Kane was there for the rebound. I honestly think, you know, like there could be a rule for that, you know, once the goalie stops it. And the ball's in the six yard box, like nobody could touch it. Or if it's not if that's not the case, no somebody else could touch it, but the person that can't touch it is the penalty uh taker. You know what I'm saying? So it's like let's say it's a rebound, you know. And you know, Kane wasn't able to shoot that. It had to be somebody that was outside the eighteen. He had to run up and tap it in. I think that would be kind of fair, because to be honest, I mean that was a hell of a save from Schmeichel, dude. And everyone was like, oh, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it went right after that. He tried to grab it, try to grasp it as it was hidden, but I guess he just couldn't grasp it in time. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, also he almost saved it, too. Also, too, you know, even as, like, a keeper, like, most of the times, like, you're supposed to just, like, parry that out of out of the whole area or, like, you know, for a uh, corner yeah. or something. So, like, I, I wouldn't say, like, you know, it's unfair, but, I mean, Schmeichel kind of did have the opportunity to do that. And, you know, I, I'm not going to blame him for letting that goal go in. But, like, most keepers, like, your, your job is to parry it out for, like, a corner or, like, uh, just somewhere farther away, you know. I, I still think it's good. You know, like, I know in MLS, right, and, you know, if, like, the ball hits uh, the post, right, and the goalkeeper doesn't touch it and the guy comes in to score, that doesn't count. Like, th that doesn't count because, you know, it didn't hit the keeper or anything. You're kind of just giving yourself, like, a your own self-pass. So that's, like, understandably why that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a bad, uh, you know, it's not a rule. I'm just saying if that was, if there was like a rule that we go petition, I think that's something I would kind of you know, pitch to the FIFA head of officiating. But, uh, I mean, yeah, this is football. And, you know, Schmeichel had a fantastic effort, but unfortunately he couldn't go with the back-to-back -back saves on that one. And to be honest, there was a chance that he would have done, uh, gotten that second shot save. Uh, but, you know, props to Harry he wasn't far off from the second shot. Yeah, he wasn't too bad, too far from blocking that mm. one. And you know, I mean, imagine the scenes if he would have, dude. Definitely would have secured the, mm. the the saga golden goal. Golden we could have been talking about Italy against 
Denmark. Well, yeah, man. I, I actually might prefer that, but uh, hey, man, it is what it is. Um, Max, I don't know. I don't think I've asked you. What is your uh, team of the tournament, man? Yeah, I mean, just I was gonna say uh, Denmark as well, but just to not step on each other's shoes, I'm gonna say Italy. Um, they've been fantastic so far, knocking out Belgium, a heavy favorite. I mean, the back line: Benucci, Chiellini, Donnarumma, that trifecta has been class all tournament and hopefully they could keep the likes of sterling and harry kane out for sunday but yeah man they've been class Jorginho, amazing like that penalty the final against he just ice cold composed, bro composed that was and not only him but i gotta give credit to tiago too he took it like it was like kicking it at the oh, yeah. park yes. man he was she was like all right next Classy. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, he was. No, but yeah, the whole team. Uh, Kiesa has had a very, very t- good season as well with Juventus. But yeah, and I'm really rooting for this team to win the whole thing. I think they deserve it more than England, absolutely. And yeah, that's that's what I'm going with. That's my team of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, you got to go back all the way to the World Cup. I mean, they failed to qualify the World Cup, you know. Technically, if you want to put the, if you want to get a little props and be happy a little bit, uh, Max, technically, Italy in 2018 was just as good as USA. So, yeah. I don't know, uh, I don't know, that's, I don't know, that says a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, you guys didn't both qualify, so, no. um, <laughs> but, um, you know, you gotta look back, they failed to qualify, and then after they failed to qualify, Roberto Mancini, former Italian footballer, um, you know was capped a few times uh, or plenty of times at Italy he took over the helm over there and I believe they're like on a 28 unbeaten streak ever since and so uh, he's been you know he changed the dynamic for Italy I mean you know what, five years that's a big big difference you know especially with the center back duo with Chiellini and Bonucci let's be honest these guys are a little bit above age and you know what your average center back is but these guys have been holding it down in the back and Donnarumma holding it down, showing like a, his family genes are produced. And um, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, big props to Mancini and just the whole way he's been playing this whole squad, and you know, picking out gems out of the rough and all these diamonds like Spinazzola. I never even heard of him until he uh, played in this tournament, and unfortunately he got that torn Achilles. But he's definitely a player who you know after the tournament, uh, once he's healed, he could get picked up from a big club, and um, you know. This tournament, you know, tournaments like these, these summer tournaments, they help a lot of players' values and their stock just go up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually want to transition towards our player of the tournament. Again, it's a personal preference, you know, not necessarily like the best player, but the player that caught your eyes the most. And I kind of want to ask a bonus question on that one uh, afterwards. But uh, for me, the player of the tournament, it has to be Patrick Sheik. Uh, he, you know, ever since that half-field shot, uh, he's been, he, I mean... He's been playing great, uh, getting five goals, tied for the goal in the boot with Ronaldo. And, of course, Ronaldo scored those three penalty kicks. This guy, Patrick Sheik, came out of nowhere for Czech Republic and made those guys heavy contenders for a, a, a prominent uh, Euro 2020 run. And, like I said, he came out of nowhere after that half-field goal, which, to be honest, I'm not too crazy about long-distance goals like that, especially if the goalkeeper is, like, so high off his line. Um, yeah. you know? So I was like, ah, oh, man, like, it's more like instead of, oh, what a great shot. It's more like, ah, stupid keeper. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> For me. Largely um, involved because of that. Yeah. And so, uh, but 
after that, I mean, it's those kind of moments, those little things um, that kind of sparks not only the player but the team. Because after that, the whole team was playing pretty well. Um, you know, unfortunately, they got knocked out by, I believe, was it Denmark? Yeah, by Denmark. By Denmark, Denmark right? And that was a great match as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Patrick Sheik has to be my uh, player of the tournament. And uh, I'll just go ahead and ask the question afterwards. But uh, Alex, who's your player of the tournament? Well, uh, you mentioned Patrick Sheik. I think for me, he he won the Hamas Rodriguez Award. Player who had a great tournament is going to get a big mo- money move and then bust. You know, (laughs) for me, that's what I think about Patrick Sheik. He hasn't been able to get his place in the Bundesliga well. We played at Roma for a while and just couldn't solidify a spot there. He's played good, but I I don't, I don't know if he's going to really pan out to be a world soccer superstar. Moving on to the question, uh, player of the tournament for me has to be Pedri, the Spanish midfielder. He's been playing so well and out of his mind. He's basically Iniesta and Xavi in one. You know, Luis Enrique had huge praise for him, talking about you know. This isn't even stuff Andres Iniesta could do, you know, and such at, at such a young age, too, right? He's like, what, 17, 18? Yeah. Like, he played out of his mind. And I saw a stat, too, you know, um, Tiago Alcantara, he came, he came in for the last 15 minutes, and he missed five passes. And for the whole 120 minutes, Pedri only missed two. So so that blew my mind. Like, just, he, he's such an, he's so good with the ball. And honestly, I, I feel like that's what Spain were kind of missing after the whole, you know, uh, great era they had from like 2008 to 2012. You know, Iniesta was getting older. They weren't really having that kind of uh, great uh, passing midfielder, somebody who can really like stretch the field out and, you know, distribute the ball well. And Spain were missing that. And, you know, we, we saw that this Euros and it's great to see that, you know, Spain have that up and coming midfielder guy because that's how Spain play. They play with possession passes tiki taka you know they've been playing like that for like 15 plus years now like it's it's engraved in, in spanish football now so the fact they're able to get a good player at such a young ripe age for the next 10 years that's crazy to me man he he looks so good and and, and barca are gonna have a great uh, midfielder for the next years to come yeah johan cruyff was uh basically engraved that uh tiki taka spot uh style of play for barcelona when he uh Joined the club in about 88. Um, but yeah, Pedri, I don't know if you guys know, but Pedri, he's basically, you know, when you look at players in, in Europe and, you know, you expect them to be, who expect them to grow up within the, you know, academies and, you know, be a part of just the, the system for a long time. Well, Pedri actually joined the uh, Juventud Laguna in uh, 2019. He was only 16 at the time. Um, and he was also with Las Palmas. From there, he signed a, about a four-year deal with Barcelona. Still kicking it. You know, on the loans and whatnot with Huesca. But, you know, 17, 18, I believe he is. One of those one of those ages. He's still he's as old as us. Let's just think that. Yeah. Someone our age is killing it and yeah. is getting ready to play. What did I do? Feel bad. Or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing here in my room recording this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this guy's been balling. And, and, you know, it's just been a very fast uh, turnaround for him, you know, three years ago. He was an academy player, signed his first academy contract. Now he's a, you know, a semifinalist in the Euro 2020. So, yeah, he's been a fantastic player. And maybe it's also one of those players who, uh, even though he's already at Barca, but could be, get a big money move or even get more time over there in Barca as well. Um, so definitely, definitely put himself on the market with this tournament, as many yeah. other players have. Yeah. Well, uh, Max, who's your uh, player of the tournament? Uh, I'm going to say Jorginho. Not just 
not just because of the tournament, but everything he's done throughout the season. But, uh, man, he commanded the midfield of Italy. a big part of what this Italy team is and how they've been playing throughout the whole tournament. Very technical, good in tight spaces, knows when to distribute, will find you the right pass. And, yeah, man, he's... He's the guy that pulls the strings in this Italian club, and I'm very excited for what he's gonna do on Sunday. And I mean, just he's just joy. He's a joy to watch, as he's been for last season. And I think he's he has a good shout for the Badlon Dior. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to ask. You guys think he? I mean. He's, he held it down in Chelsea. He's been holding it down with uh, Italy so far. I mean, like I said, there's been a lot of, like, hidden gems in this tournament. You know, like Patrick Sheen, Pedri even, for example. But also within the Italy midfield, there's a ton of them, like Locatelli and Spinazzola. Those guys just came out of nowhere and just stepped it up in the midfield. Um, but for Jorginho, to, for Jorginho to, you know, basically lead that midfield uh, with people that he's not used to playing with and just it being so like as if they played yesterday or they played for the past 10 years together um Jorginho was I think he's a heavy contender in uh, Ballon d'Or now I look at the Players Football Association you know Football of the Year awards and the candidates are Robert Lewandowski Messi and I believe Mbappe and it's like all right sure but why isn't Jorginho in the conversation he has been a not only a player who's been um who's been contributing everywhere you know but he hasn't really been scoring like that he scores from time to time but just his style of play all the little things that he does that's what a footballer is and that goes back to when um luis Enrique was saying that iniesta and xavi was you know engraved embroidered into pedri and you know it's just little things that you see that can't be found anywhere else and so i think georgina does have a somewhat of a case for um ballon d'or if anything possibly play the tournament um but yeah definitely uh, all these players that we spoke about they've all been uh big shockers and a lot of joy to watch but let's go uh transition into that kind of james rodriguez award that alex was talking about there's a lot of these players who probably value kind of went up or went down but i think we can all agree that all these players that we name their values are going to pretty much skyrocket don't you think right Absolutely. and so yeah so patrick schick i think he'll get that hummus reduce where you're saying you know these probably gonna get a big oh this guy's pretty good i saw him a lot like like a pirisic or a rebic type of player like a creation um but i mean he did step up big when he needed to and you know he did what he could um for pedri pedri i mean he's a you know that's that's a, that's a little that's another look at the next generation that's coming up now for Jorginho, who's been here for a cool minute um I compare him kind of like a Juan Mata, you know, 2012 Chelsea player, which, you know, fits right perfectly there. Um, but uh, maybe his, not necessarily his value will skyrocket so much, but he will be more involved and more recognized for his efforts in this tournament because it goes all back to the beginning of the Premier League season and everything that he's done for Chelsea, you know. Um, so, yeah, well, we got this final this Sunday, Italy versus England. And the biggest question is not, who's gonna win but is it coming home alex do you think it's coming home brother no i I don't think it's coming home honestly i think this whole tournament's kind of been rigged in england's favor playing all your group matches in wembley you know you only played one uh one game from the knockout stage uh away from wembley and then now the finals being hosted at wembley 
where I, if I'm correct, the capacity is sixty thousand, and I think they're allowing like around sixty-five thousand. So like five thousand of the people are coming in like out of nowhere, dude. Like they're they're literally appearing, and no nobody's gonna care or anything because you know they do want like the stadium packed and stuff. But I I, I I don't know. I think England's gonna bottle it. I don't I don't like Southgate. I I'm not too confident in this team, just because. I feel Southgate still hasn't figured it out. Like, you're gonna play Saka on the on the left or right, and then you're gonna bring in Grealish or or Sancho. You know, you're indecisive of who you want on that side. And I feel like at some point that's gonna cost uh, England. And I, I think Italy overall have shown that they can attack when they want and they can defend when they want. Like we saw that against Spain and Belgium, where they were defending well. They have one of the best uh, keepers in the world in Donnarumma, who's been playing well, new PSG player. He's been excellent. And and the one player I think that's probably going to play really good in this final is uh, Juventus's Federico Chiesa. I think that guy, he's had a great to- knockout stage so far, and I think that momentum's going to keep up, and he's probably going to like score a game-winning goal or something. I don't know. It's the gut feeling I got. I think Italy win this. They've been playing at this rate, like, what, 29 games unbeaten like you know it, it would suck if you lost that streak in the final and you, they play with passion you see them with the national anthem all you know just passionate and just ready to go man so i i, I just think this is this is england's to lose everything's in your favor in this tournament and i just don't have faith in the manager and some of the players yeah man i mean if you think about it a, a club that is known for uh, what, uh bottling it in uh in england is uh Unfortunately, the Spurs, Tottenham Hotspurs, and uh, they're playing in Wembley. And so uh, that might, uh, I don't know, that might be a little bit of foreshadowing, you know, all those advantages they had. And to be honest, they didn't have that many, uh, you know, tough opponents in the knockout stage. I mean, they faced Ukraine 4-0 in the quarterfinal. Like, I don't know, man. They struggled against Denmark, you know. Put that on paper, you're like, oh, they should have beat them like Ukraine too. Um, and then, you know, what you were saying about Gareth Southgate, I also agree. I don't think he's figured it out. I mean, it went from Jay Sancho on the bench the majority of the tournament, and then he signed a deal with United during that whole time. And it's like, after that deal he signed, he's on the starting lineup. And it's like, so is that what you got to do to have a star-studded player on the bench to, uh, you know, <laughs> get a, get a, get on the starting eleven? You know, then that's the case, and I hope Jack Grealish uh, gets, you know, signs somebody tomorrow so he could start up on the right uh, for uh, England on Sunday. Um, you know, so the big big bag uh, acquired, you get a spot on the, on the pitch with uh, the three Lions. Um, but I, I will say, you know, it's been a lot of joy and fun to watch to uh, to watch um, the back line, you know. I'm not a big Pickford guy, uh, but he's been killing it. Um, and then as for, you know, the back line, it's just very cool how you have the two rivalry teams, center backs and like wing backs playing together. You know, you got Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire of, uh, Manchester United. And then you have John Stones and Kyle Walker of Manchester City just holding it down. You know, that's like having Galaxy and, and LAFC trying to win the MLS All-Star game and whatnot against uh, a big club, you know, just trying to hold down <laughs> for the country. And so, um. Yeah, there's a lot. That player, that team, both teams are, are stacked. There's no question about that. Um, but I think, you know, the, the most talented, most skilled team has to be England. I mean, they have too much of a deep rotation. They could play anyone anywhere. And, and it's like, 
I feel like anybody could kind of figure it out, you know? And Garrett Southgate is just overthinking big time. I don't think a lot of this is his doing. I think it's just the players taking initiative. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't see uh, there's I don't see a possibility of Italy losing this game. I think just their style of play and just the, their streak overall uh, in this tournament, um, it's, it's gonna it's gonna help them out in their favor. Their momentum is gonna carry on, and they're gonna be uh, Euro 2020 uh, champions. Max, do you agree with this Italy taking it home, or are you gonna stick with the stick with the three lines here? It is absolutely not coming home, man. Oh, okay. Thank God. <laughs> I really thought you were going to give us a minute. Garrett South is an absolute tactical mess. Uh, did you guys see what happened with Grealish? He got subbed in for like 30 minutes and then got subbed out. Yeah, bro. It's like, uh, how, do you ha- how do you do that to a, a player with that kind of caliber? Like with that um, kind of offensive prowess who's been like, He's a guy who likes to take risks. So like, you get a shot off of the uh, top of the 18 or wherever. Take a shot, you know, test the keeper. There's somebody in there for a rebound. Like, I don't know, um, Raheem Starling. Um, if, but, if you're going to make, if you're going to bunker down and make a defensive change, you might as well take out Kane at this point, right? Not your yeah, exactly. newly subbed in player. Fresh. Player. You're a fresh player. You're That's fresh, the thing. Exactly. You're a fresh saying. player. Okay. So, so yeah, that, then, that was kind of frustrating to watch, too. I agree with you. If, for whatever reason, England does win this thing is going to be more on player individuality and more the stars coming up and bailing him out more than him actually well making this team win um but no man i'm 100 percent italy italy better win this i think with the players and the way uh roberto mancini has been doing he's italy has everything to win it man it's in their hands just it's time to execute it at the big stage at wembley and I agree with uh, I agree with Alex. It's uh, this run. This is an illusion by England, man. This this is yeah. real. This is telling you, man. <laughs> Drew, it's like man, somebody got from Spider Man with Mysterio. It's all an illusion, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically what's going on over there. Italy is going to wake this team up and humble England down. Yeah, so that's what I, I hope that, at least. That's exactly what they need to bounce through. And I mean, if they if. Oh, I know, man. If England wins, if somehow it does come home, dude, oh, man, it's going to be such a mess. Dude. You're never you know going to hear the end of it. So We're never going to hear the end of it, bro. I mean, we, to down. this day, we don't, exactly. To this day, we still don't hear the end of it of when they won their last, like, major trophy in 1966. And half, damn near 80% of the people that watch England football today weren't alive at the time. I know. You have to be, so like, what, like, 65, I think, is the, the, the youngest person that's seen england win a major tournament. yeah and they were probably like 10 years old at the time like they remember that bro <laughs> so it's like yeah. yeah man it's gonna be uh i don't know man and to be honest i think this is as far as it'll get to home you know what i mean the only reason why technically if you think about it the trophy is already home but they might just you know deliver it to the stadium and hand it off to italy for them to take it home so nice. um, oh, yeah, yeah well real quick we got about five minutes until we close it out but i just want to do this for fun Score predictions, and we're gonna say him in three, two, one, three, one, three, two, one. Two. Oh, okay, well, pretty close. All right, I like three, two. That makes the game interesting. I'm gonna go with three, two as well. Then I, I mean, that's that's a, that's the score. I hope, but I also agree with uh with you, Alex. You know, Federico Chiesa, dude, that dude's just been balling, man. He was a joy to watch not only in this tournament but in Champions League. You know, during those knockout stages and even group stage, he's been a player who's like. Okay, who's this guy? He has that killer instinct, that killer mentality, and 
you know, if there's somebody that if you need a goal and like say you need a super sub, he has a super sub mentality where it's like, all right, I'm gonna get that goal in for my squad. Um, but the, the, the truth, he's not a super sub. He's a starting player. So it's like, this guy will. You need a goal, hey, just call him up. Give me uh, call him up with the business card he gave you, and he'll uh, give you that service. Absolutely, man. No, listen to this. Listen to this. Sterling in the 89th minute, and then freaking Chiesa in the 90 plus five takes it overtime, and then in the 125th minute. <laughs> Fucking Italy takes it, man. <laughs> okay, love that. Dude, Bro, he be... really wants to crush English. I despise England and I will die on this grave, man. I need Italy to win this. I can't have Let's go. Forza Azuri, yeah? Alright, fellas. Well, we're gonna go ahead and close that. I'm gonna actually say that, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit that and make sure that we get that posted if that actually happens. That'd be pretty insane. Um but yeah, we're going to let it close it out. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Los Angeles Soccer Podcast. I believe we're about five episodes in, man. It's been a joy hanging out with you, too, and Mario, who uh, wasn't able to join us today. But uh, we will have that Euro Cup review a little bit uh, after this Sunday because this Sunday is going to be crazy, man. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and unfortunately, the game's in the afternoon, so it's like the rest of the day we have like, oh, man, we're not. You know, night games are always the best, but hey. Football is football, and we enjoy it to the fullest. Um, but <clears throat> after Euros and the Copa America, we have the Gold Cup. Gold Cup will be a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, you know, NBA Finals is kicking off as well, which is honestly a discussion I can only have with Alex and Mario, which is fine. Um, but little by little, this soccer summer uh, is giving us what we need and what we missed in the past year due to the pandemic. Well, those of you who tuned in this far, we appreciate you to the fullest, and we hope you guys stick around for the next episode next week. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us that subscription, give us that five-star review, and we hope to see you guys next week. Hope you guys have a good one. Woo-hoo.